Good evening, everyone. Time being 5.47, I would like to call the Economic Development Subcommittee. And um, it's kind of a hybrid meeting tonight because we have a Economic Development Subcommittee and a Steering Committee meeting um, at the same, that we're going to split a little bit of the meeting time with uh, for November 16th, 2022 to order. Um, no to residents, all citizens are welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Additionally, in an effort to maximize citizen engagement and opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or Zoom. The meetings will also be live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. The link to that Zoom meeting is on the agenda on the website. If you want to phone in, the phone, the call, the call-in number is 1929-205-6099. Enter the meeting ID 881-4366-1481, then press pound. Uh, Councilor Fungillo was on Zoom tonight, and in in chambers with me is Councilor Sheridan, Councilor Jones, uh, Chair of the Zoning Board of Appeals, Bruce Hunchard, Greg Rondo, the Chair of the Planning Board, and the Clerk of the Planning Board, Beth Wehrling. Um, first, we are going to talk about something that's just for the EDC, um, the four of us, and that is a lot line cleanup, the area on, on near Lincoln Street and Lincoln Ward Drive. Um, this is the basic lot line cleanup that the EDC has worked on for a long time, um, for probably one more years than I've been on the council. Um, really what we do is we just try to make sure that um, all of the zoning areas actually fit into parcels that existing households. So um, that's for uh, Councilor Sheridan and Frangela. I don't think you've seen any of these yet. So um, does Jamie, do you want to? Yeah. Uh, Jamie first, then Brian. Through you, Madam Chair, just, um, just for way of background, this is our first lot buying cleanup. It is a town council goal for the year. Um, there are a lot more of these to come. <coughs> Previous CDCs have gotten through dozens and dozens of them. Um, and so Brian, if you want to just give a quick overview um, of what the proposal is. Absolutely. Uh, Brian Sproner, uh, Director of Planning Community Development. Um, the zoning bylaw, the zoning map amendment uh, in front of you is one of many, as I've mentioned. Uh, this is up on uh, Lincoln Street and Lincoln Wood Drive in that vicinity. Um, you'll be seeing another one in a, probably another month. It'll be just to the south on Lincoln Street, uh, just to give you reference on what you're going to be doing. This uh, map amendment is on 12 parcels of land. Uh, two of them are actually town-owned. Uh, and uh, they are all either in residential, rural residential two or single-family residential three zoning districts. They're, they're in both, essentially. So what we're doing is on, on the left side, you're, you're seeing where it is today on that map up there. And what we are proposing is to put it either in rural residential two or single family residential three. And that map on the right is um, where we've moved the lines. Um, there is no, we, we look at the, um, to make sure that we're not uh, impacting uh, any private, private owners of the town for that matter on any 
aspect, for instance, you know, the value of property or anything of that nature, and if you can develop more or less, and there is really no change in the case here at all, that I can see. Um, so it really is just a matter of moving lines and going on to the next, next section of town, really, for the, uh, for the next thing. So the bylaw amendment, um, which Len loves to read, uh, town council, um, with all these parcel numbers on um, There's 35 and a quarter acres, roughly, um, that'll be changed from the two zoning districts uh, to uh, rural residential two, and there is just three acres that'll be changed from the two to the single family three. Um, half of the property, roughly, is town-owned property. Now, if you have any questions on uh, why we do it, a process, or anything else, by all means, any other questions? Councilor Sheridan, do you have any questions since this is the first time you? Why is this Why is it necessary? Why is it Well, okay, so if you were to look on on the map on the left, in the, the zoning districts, at one point, they were, say, uh, drawn 200 feet off of the road, for instance. Um, you know, okay, so, you know, they had to separate them somehow. They didn't separate them by parcel numbers or, or parcels. They just separated them drawing on a map. Um, so they drew it probably 200 feet or so from the sideline or the center line, for that matter, of, uh, of Lincoln Street to get that line there. So what it did is, is pretty much all of the properties along Lincoln Street are now in two different zoning districts, right? And that happened town-wide. This is, so this project is probably 15 years old now. It's been going on since, actually probably longer. Mm -hmm. so longer than I've been here, actually, it started. So, <laughs> so, so we take them little at a time. Um, and uh, we, we get them done. But uh, right now, there's probably uh, maybe five more. There's not a lot left uh, in reality. Uh, but some of them, uh, some of the parcels that are left are, you know, one parcel here, one parcel there. And uh, you know, so we'll have to deal with that someday. But we're dealing with the, the neighborhoods right now, and uh, we're getting down to the end of the neighborhoods right now. Is that good? Yeah. Uh, Councilor Jones. Thank you. Sure. Frank, just a <coughs> quick way, a little bit of history, but how far back do those old zones stem to? When, when did these zones first implemented that created a 200-foot buffer off the street? When, when did those original zones date back to? Um, I, I don't know exact dates. Probably when I was a kid sometime. I mean, we're talking a long, long time. <laughs> yes. Okay. They would have been so, on a stone. Yeah, it? pretty much, yeah. Crayon. Yeah. So, <laughs> Bruce etched them in. The reason why I ask is because a lot of these lines, a lot of these property lines have been assessed and, and laid out by the by deed date back over 100 years ago. Oh, sure. So when they, when they were um, laying out the zoning, I'm just, I, I guess I'm just trying to visualize the thought process to what they decided to just kind of do like a swath here and a swath there without any. Well, regard. number one, if you're, number one, when they created, I'm sorry, you you want to uh, take this, Mark? Or? I think yeah. my, um, Go ahead. when they did this, they didn't have the technology that you have now to be able to coordinate across lots, lot lines or access records as easily, so they just 
it was easy to just set an arbitrary distance off the road and that was a lot. Mm -hmm. That's I'm just curious on the example of when they approved the industrial park. I think they took a line from 495 went back 1600 feet or something like that. That's how they came. I was just curious. Uh, Councilor Frangillo, do you have any questions for Brian? I do not know. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, so. Um, Can I ask a question? <laughs> okay. Um, Brian, the, the, the old lots they probably didn't comply with zoning. Uh, do any of the new lots comply with zoning now because you're going down, down from two to three? You know, the ones off of uh, whatever the name is. Lincoln? Lincoln? Not Meeting House, but uh, not this one. Is that Lincoln one? Lincoln one? Lincoln. Yep. Just for an example. Yeah. Um, I mean, do they comply in the gutter now and they probably don't? If they didn't comply, they don't comply. I mean, or if they comply just barely. I mean, they, we didn't change it um, for that specific. Just curious as why you go through the effort to do it, to do this other than to clean straight just up. Just to clean it up. We actually, there occasionally, um, uh, somebody will come forward with a, uh, a development where the, it's in two or three, their, their lots are two or three subs. And you have to address each of them individually, or you you can go you know 50 feet into the next zone or something like that. So this just cleans it up, so they don't have to do that. That's as simple as that. Um, it's you know uh, some of these are larger parcels, and the front of their parcels are in one zone, and the, the rest of it is all in, in the other zone. Um, so right now, somebody wanted to. If, if say our, our property, the Keller yeah. Sullivan was not a, a town property that could be developed, um, they could not fully develop it uh, with the R3, it would have it with R2, except if they wanted to get smaller lots up front, they might be able to do something. It just gets a little, a little confusing sometimes for people, but that's really. And I think that if you look back 15 years, um, half the lots in town were like this. So this is just a continuation of an old project to just get them done. Um, that's all. I, don't know. I could understand why you did the commercial, like up and down one for why they can change the lines there. But these people back there, I don't think that they even know you're probably doing it. I don't know if you've had any trust to do it. I don't, I don't understand what the process is and why we're taking all the time. Not me personally, but town. Well, um, in reality, the this, Bylaw probably took three hours worth of work to put together. Um, we'll do a mailing to the abutters. It'll go before a couple of boards, and it's really not that tactic something. It's just that it, it, it's something that we want to continue doing, and uh, I think it's a good idea to just get them. It's like to simplify mm -hmm. those, yeah. those, the parcels. Just to clarify what zone you're in, yeah. that's all. Okay. So what's that? Also, Are you, okay. Yes. Okay. So, Jones. Brian, in regards to the zones in this proposal that you that you made some outreach to the neighbors in regards to changing, as part of being in that area, why aren't why isn't the area immediately to the east of Lincoln Street addressed on the lower half of this map as well? Why aren't? Because I still see that there's a few properties here where 
quite literally cuts in half. We're talking about the west side of Lincoln? That's yes. the next one. Yeah, that one actually goes down uh, another maybe a tenth of a mile. So it's going to be in the next pylon. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, okay. you'll get to that. Thank you. A little bit out of time. I know, it's too A little bit out of time. I'm kind of sick. really still packing. Um, I would accept the motion to move by, what is this? Proposed zoning map amendment 22A onto the town council. Okay. A second. Uh, all in favor signify by saying aye, but I have to do a roll call vote. So I'm going to do Frangelo. Yes. Chardon. Aye. Jones. Yes. Uh, Chair, yes. Okay, so on it goes to the town council. Thank you, Brian. Okay, um, second item for discussion, I'm gonna move right along here, is uh, some of the zoning, some of the zoning things that um, we've, we've been discussing, I think is we have some uh, good proposal in front of us tonight. Um, you know, we, to me, it seems like there's this coincidence with like the EDC goals, the housing production plan, the NBT community reg regulations, and the Franklin for All project. All of this stuff is kind of coincidentally all come together at the same time. I think it's um, pretty cool that we all have the same ideas and what, what we want and, um, and the recommendations from those. So um, we have the steering committee for the Franklin for All um, with us tonight. We, I uh, think going forward, what we'll probably do is uh, go back into our own kind of separate lot lanes. And um, so the process will be that the EDC recommends to send these zoning changes to the full council, then the full council sends it to the, to the planning board. Planning board has a uh, public hearing on it, then it comes back to the town council. We have, we read it, twice and we have a public hearing on it. So there's a lot of chances for every, all of us and everyone out there to um, talk about these things. And um, I just wanted to make sure that we all kind of understood that um, I think it's time for us to go back into our own lanes. But I'm so excited that the whole steering committee is here tonight because it means that everybody really wanted to be here. And um, I want to thank them for all the work they did and how um, how much they want to be here, they, you know, on a dime, they showed up. So I think that's awesome. Well, it's very exciting that we're, we're built, I think we've built a lot of really good relationships through this project. Um, so, um, but I am gonna throw it over to Jamie. I think, Jamie, do you wanna start? Really quick. <laughs> are, are you gonna start on multifamily housing density? No. Or? I'm gonna go even 30,000 feet higher than that. <clears throat> okay. So uh, through you, Madam Chair, through the committee. Um, so uh, just to give a little background tonight, there's two issues that are kind of being worked on simultaneously to go hand in hand. Um, one is to look at an inclusionary zoning bylaw um, that this community has been working on for a really long time. It is again, one of the goals for the town council on this legislative agenda. Um, and in some ways, um, it might have been uh, fitting that it, it got delayed for a few years because in the interim, we're the only community that touches Franklin that does not have an inclusionary zoning bylaw. And I think um, at a minimum, um, you know, to be honest, that is, that is slightly there. Um, and so uh, we feel as a staff, um, and I think a lot of people in the community feel like this is something that we need to get on the books. 
um, that the town's been working on for a long time. As luck, fate would have it, the governor put out the MBTA communities uh, guidelines, uh, which uh, sets a by right uh, set of guidelines uh, for housing around a half mile of the train station. Um, and uh, and so, uh, as we all know, also the housing um, crisis of cost is uh, pricing a lot of people out of Massachusetts and the community. So all those things wrapped and tied together, um, the staff and Brian especially and Amy um, put together what we believe to be a very good inclusionary zoning bylaw that incorporates the community need, um, uh, respects uh, the building community and the dynamics of building housing but also complies completely with the MBTA community's law um, that the governor put on in regulation earlier this year. Um, and hopefully in the near future, um, like some of the other projects in the community, this will help increase and maintain some level of small amount of affordable housing stock um, for residents in the community. Um, Brian's gonna uh, walk us through, <coughs> excuse me, both uh, walk us through the inclusionary zoning bylaw, but also the use table um, and then the final piece is density, which I think is where he's gonna start off with. Um, I think all of you have heard, and we have all heard, I know we've heard many, many different views on the issue of density in the community. Um, and ultimately, uh, Brian and the staff were able to package a proposal together um, that should allow uh, a lot more flexibility for everybody um, and put some other strongholds into hopefully in some areas um, make sure that density is a better control than it has been uh, recently. So uh, with that as a background, uh, Brian, if you want to take it away and, and walk everybody through the proposal. All right, thank you. Um, as you can see uh, on, the, on the screen, um, there is uh, use regulation schedule part six, or yeah, part six actually which is attachment seven to the, the zoning bylaw. Uh, that is the, the principal use is, are all residential in that, in that table. Um, it, previously it was either a multifamily or apartment, a single family or two family, and they were two family new or combined conversion. Um, so we were, while we were going through the, uh, the public process, uh, for all and other processes, we were being told that you know why isn't a three-family allowed by right, or why can't you know if, you know we, we understand multi, a large multi-family shouldn't be in every zone, but why can't a three-family be allowed in some zones? So what we did was we took the multi-family and apartment line 6.1, and we created a 6.1a and a 6.1b. B being a three housing unit, and the other being four or more housing units, any multifamily, four houses, housing units or more. That way you're able to separate the two out. Um, and we have um, put it, so the first line actually, all, all of the the lines in the in chart go, everything in that first row go away and it's replaced by the two rows that we have there. Um, many of the, uh, the whether by no yes by or right or a public uh, uh, special permit uh, process is most of it has not changed a lot, but the big things that have changed are that 
the multifamily in general residential five and C1 are now allowed by right up to a certain size development, okay? And that is to go along with the MBTA requirements. So we're, we're, request, we're re suggesting a 2,750 square foot lot area is required for per each unit. And that gives you uh, just over the 15 uh, units per acre that MBTA is requiring by right and within a half mile of the MBTA station. So the changes um, in those two zones and allowing uh, the downtown commercial to stay the same, it already allows by right up to 20, um, 21 or so, it's actually every 2,000 square feet we need. Those three zones will take care of the MBTA requirements for uh, by right multifamily housing. If somebody would, a developer wants to get a denser development, they still have the option to go to the planning board for a special permit. Um, on the 6.1B, the three housing units, we put those uh, by right in many of the areas that already allow a, a duplex uh, in a little bit denser than the single family residential. It's not in uh, the rural one, rural two, um, or three for that matter. It does, we do uh, allow, we are suggesting it's allowed in single family four, but the lot that they put it on would have to be um, about 25% greater than required for single family dwelling, which is what they, which is what they do on, uh, by a conversion or in a new two family. So treating two family and three family the same way. Um, so, um, we have a couple of notes in here. Um, one of them, note three, which goes along with GR5 and uh, C1, commercial one zone, and that no more than one dwelling unit, instead of 1,000 square feet, which was 43 um, units per acre, it would be 2750, which is more, a little more than the 15, it's under 16. Uh, and, the, and it says additional dwelling units may be allowed by special permit from the planning board. Um, note four that goes uh, along with any multifamily, it's all multifamily developments with five or more housing units are required to address the affordable housing requirements in section 185.51. 185.51 doesn't exist today, that's the inclusionary bylaw, if you were to pass that. Um, and that sums up, in general, um, that bylaw. And of course, the reason for it is um, the MBTA requirements, the allowing a, the developer a buy right multifamily to a certain point, but if they want more, they still have the right to go to a planning board for special permit. Um, and uh, I, I, I personally believe it's, it's something that uh, should, it will work for development, but I'm really obvious. I think it's up to the town to provide comment, uh, counselors and, and, and others, of course, on this committee and the general public for that matter. Jamie? Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. So uh, thanks, Brian, for that uh, great summary. In real short, right now, any housing in those districts, you have to go through the planning board via special permit. 
So the big change here is to comply with MBTA communities, those 15 units by right. Over 15 requires a special permit from the planning board, and there is no cap on the size of that in terms of where that could go. But that does establish a by right you know, minimum, which complies with MBTA communities, which we do not have right now, where all of those housing for all of those projects have to be by special permit, which does make that advantageous. And include the inclusionary zoning percentage, which we are now limited to by the governor's rule, can only be 10% of those 15. And so we're just complying with the minimum standards that um, with what the governor has put out. I can't explain or predict whether a new administration would change that. I think it's highly unlikely early, um, maybe after a year or two, possibly, I don't know, but at that time we take it up. Um, and as the staff believes, it's not really worth waiting for anything to change. This is really the rule that we're going to be working with. Thank you. They want to explain what inclusionary zoning is because the term's been used but nobody's Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> uh, Mr. Uh, Attorney Sorrell, would you like to explain yeah. what inclusionary zoning is? Well, that's the next. Well, yeah, well, but well, it's, it's, a, it's a shorthand phrase, but in fact, what it means is a certain percentage of the housing uh, will be affordable as defined under the law, which is uh, affordable for a family uh, making 80% of the median income for the Great Boston area. Mandatory. Right, and, and in this area now, um, the MBTA community area, a half a mile around the, the train station, it can be, it can only be up to 10%. Yeah, the um, governor's, housing. The governor's plans, uh, the governor's the legislation and regulations only addressed creation as a right of multifamily housing. It did not address whether it was going to be market rate or affordable. Right. A lot of municipalities responded, if we're going to have to do this, we're going to make sure that there's an affordable component, and the governor, in response, made a determination of what that percentage would be, which is no more than 10%. Right. For, only for the area around the MBTA, mm -hmm. right? Half, half a mile around. Okay. Anyone have any questions for Brian? Hi. A um, couple questions, Brian, your department. Thank you for um, working on this and, and bringing it to a point where I think that the 15 units will be meeting the requirements of MBTA communities. I know our permits are kind of tied on what we can do, and I think it really brings it to a point that's going to be good for the, the area that it, we're trying to meet. And the inclusion Arizona glad to see that's happening. It's been a long time. That's been worked on in town. Um, and just to clarify, it's inclusionary zoning for multifamily, and it's not just for the MBTA communities. It's pretty much anywhere that it applies for the multifamily, correct? The inclusionary zoning by that we'll be talking about in a minute is anywhere a multifamily is. It's not, it is not just in the MBTA zone, if you will. Right, right. So then I guess my main questions um, have to do with the three housing units. So um, in the single family residential four, um, 
in looking at that particular zoning district, knowing that a lot of those lots are kind of smaller, um, and the likelihood of having new construction happening for three-family home. What is the thought on how that would happen um, by conversion? Because that doesn't seem to be out of in this particular version of the bylaw. Is, is there any thought that, you know, there are a lot of larger houses, a lot of single family homes in that district, or is there a thought of how somebody might convert um, versus building new, or um, is the three family anything that is impacting the MBTA communities, or is that just something we're thinking of, of adding on, um, you know, looking at um, other parts of the bylaw that might be affected by this change, um, the intent of the districts in 185 or the definition of a single-family residential floor um, might need to be updated as well to reflect the inclusion of three-family. Um, I'm just not sure 100% uh, on board with three-families in that particular district for the thought of you know how it might impact all the single-family homes and the intent of that district. Just my thoughts. I'm I just going to respond that in that zone there are a lot of. Uh, larger single families that were converted to three families. There's already a lot of that going on. Um, so if you actually run down each address in that district, which we've done, um, there's a substantial amount that are no longer one family. Uh, there's duplexes, there's a variety of different things in there. So this would allow a person with a little bit bigger lot to get an additional housing unit on their property. That's, that's the intent. Um, Seeing it is a, um, uh, it is considered still multifamily. Um, it is actually can still considered a commercial, essentially a commercial use. Design review actually kicks in on anything that's that more than duplex. Um, so there's you know, there's that also. They would have to um, take a look at the. If they're going to convert something over, or if they're going to build new, they would have to go through. That. But it would not be a special permit. It would be a by right use. It is put, as long as they have a little bit uh, larger lot. That's the intent. Is it a follow-up question? Go ahead. So, conversion would be treated the same way um, like through a site plan or something to that effect, or how, how would that be? It's not a site plan. Yeah, it's it's by right, then it's just. I, I agree, I, and I didn't actually. I'm thinking. I'm sitting here thinking about the concept of it being a multifamily development, even three-family, uh, and needing to go to planning board. But um, it is really uh, a by right. So you're looking at safety issues and, and things of that nature, um, and you're not looking at um, you're not looking at a, a major amount of, 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 of site site work and everything on, on those properties, obviously. So yeah, it would probably have to go to a planning board uh, site plan review uh, process. Design review would kick in because it is considered a, a commercial uh, development, uh, unless it's an industrial site plan. Okay, I'm going to go to Kobe first, okay, great. Uh, Councilor Brangillo? Yes, thank you. Uh, so this is uh, one of my favorite days of the year. 
Can you speak louder, Kobe? Apologies. <laughs> This is a, an issue that um, uh, I'm going to say 15 years ago, or maybe at least 12. Uh, Department of Planning, Community Development, and other people were talking about that allowing a the density that it allows in uh, C1 in general residential five by special permit only, not having a by right component. Um, makes a project, a developer wants to develop as dense as they possibly can because they got to go through the special permit process anyway. They also <coughs> get as many as they can per acre, get as dense a, uh, a development as they possibly can. Um, this would give them, by right, a medium-sized multifamily type of, of development. If they had 
Uh, two acres, they're going to put 31, 32 um, a par, you know, units on, on, a, on a parcel like that. Uh, if they can put together a little bit bigger, then they can get a bigger development. If they want more, they can still go to the planning board. Uh, but it does give them a smaller development by right, which is what the MBTA requirements are. And uh, if I were sitting here and we didn't have MBTA requirements, I'd say, well, should it be 15 per acre? Should it be 20 per acre? Should it be whatever? But we went in line with what the MBTA requirements are. We developed uh, 10 years ago when we did the downtown commercial zone that was created, we went with 20 units per acre, or one per 2,000 square feet by right. And you want more, then you can go get a, a, a planning board special permit. That's exactly the same concept, it's just a little bit dis different density on these uh, other two uh, zoning districts. And I know it doesn't do everything that certain people want. It doesn't address, um, you know, it doesn't address parking. It doesn't address all the other issues that you might want to talk about. But this is a baseline density, um, housing density issue that we're dealing with. We're not dealing with all of the other things that are related, and everything's related, obviously. Um, and because we are going forward with an inclusionary zoning bylaw, uh, at the same time, um, we wanted to make sure that we established the size of multifamily developments that can be allowed by right. And if you're going to have a certain size of development, regardless of the size of its multifamily, you're going to be required to have an a affordable component to it, which is included in some. So that's the reason for the two going together side by side. Um, if we don't go forward with the inclusionary zoning, we did go through with this, we just take a little, a few words off of this, uh, the chart that's up there, and, and uh, don't refer it to the new zoning uh, bylaw section. That's okay, thank you, Brian. Yeah. Um, is, Kobe, are you done with, the, with that um, for right now? I'm gonna go to Greg, if you're okay. Can't hear him. Shake your head, Kobe, if you agree. <laughs> do, you, um, do you give up the floor? Can't hear you. If you would like me to. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like me to, see ya. <laughs> We're gonna go to Greg right now, okay? We'll come back. We can't hear you anyway. <laughs> it's hard to hear you. Um, we, we, it's very difficult to hear you, but we'll, we'll get back to you. Um, I'm gonna go to Greg right now. Um, Thank you. Uh, to, to Brian, I just had a couple of questions based off of uh, what Beth had uh, spoke of. Um, if we're talking like the zone within a half a mile, as an example, this zone goes out a mile, a little radius to fall within the MTA, so we don't, we're getting a lot of pushback about the girls on the other still. Yeah, so, you know, is this going to promote more growth where it's not wanted and needed? Um, and it being just in that specific zone, could we put you know, a bullseye in the center of a half mile radius around and call that the zone that's going to work within? Because this is going to open up quite a bit of commercial one. Quite a bit of, yeah, commercial one, but it's also going to end up Lincoln Street. You're going to be on much residential. You get some of that front end, so it's a little radius around. 
comment. So I'm just thinking out loud. That's just one thought. And when you're talking three units to four units, you're talking five, six cars per building now. That becomes a safety issue, I think, with the kids in schools and whatnot, but with people falling out of highways and islands. Then trigger a lot of different thoughts. And I just, safety's a huge thing with these things nowadays, especially if you're putting in a residential zone like tight as it is to put a three family in there. And you may not have the space to squeeze it by because of this. That's all. That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Would that be possible? Which what are you talking about? The radius. Oh, radius. So the radius, radius. and, and well, like if it's like a. No, a this doesn't, this incorporates all of C1 and all yeah. of GR flat. Right. right. No, we're not talking about spot zone. Right. Just right. the MBTA right. flat line. Right. Yeah. Correct. I, you could do that. I, and actually, I was, when the um, MAPC was working with us on the Franklin Corral and everything, we I was suggesting things here and there, but I held back on, on the. Uh, one of the concepts, which is that we could actually create, um, take the GR5, for instance, and create out of it two different zones. You could create things that are closer to the MBAS station as one zone and then the rest of it as another. The same thing with C1. Um, there are some people that want C1 to go away and some people that want C1 expanded. So that it, it would become a, end up with a, uh, a community debate on all of that, which is fine, we can have them, but uh, as far as drawing a, uh, a half-mile circle, then it would be a half-mile circle um, in anything in those three zones that we're talking about, but we would not include you know, C2 or anything else in that half-mile circle, for instance. I mean, you could do that. Um, it'd be basic, it's a basic overlay. Um, that would apply to um, additional um, or the by right um, of, um, multifamily, I guess, is that all it would be? You could call it an MBTA zone, overlay zone, too. I, I, you know, I'm sure that some people sometimes are probably playing with that kind of language right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, so there's any, any number of things that you could do, obviously. But I, I'd like to see eventually, you know, the, the pink area, the, the lighter pink color. Um, closer to the downtown it is, maybe the denser the development could be, or could be allowed. Um, and that's the same thing, that, you know, with the concept of um, when you have residential one, that's the, the very rural residential two, residential three, and it goes down to the, the downtown core is your denser areas. Uh, and that's, that was really the intent, I think, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> when the original zoning was established, but there's something similar to that. Um, the farther away from the downtown core you get, the, the more, the bigger the lots have to be and the less density. Uh, so the downtown core the, with the darker purple is your downtown, um, your downtown commercial district. Um, and around that, the lighter pink is your general residential five and the, and the light green there is the C1. Um, C1 does go down towards uh, the crossing area, as they call it, uh, Union and Cod Street area. Um, and that's really a, a kind of a village setting as it is. Um, it could, you could do some zoning down there, totally separate. On East Central Street, you could create a, you know, you have C1 and C2, you could do another type of 
uh, of zoning district on where the C1 is and continue it down a little ways. There's a lot of things you could do, but and then going in the other direction, uh, West Central, you could do a professional office type of zoning district. So really, it depends on uh, what the, the town wants to do and each of the neighborhoods. We're doing a, a generic, somewhat generic, situation with C1 and General Residential 5. Uh, and because right now, those are the ones that are multifamily housing is allowed in. It's allowed by special permit, but it's allowed a, den a density that is, uh, a lot of the neighbors don't want to see it, but I'm not. You know, you put in a, a, something that's uh, 43 units per acre next to a single family house, they just don't want to see it there. Right, so this is right. So this is right. is a, a more downscale. This is a more downscale uh, type where you, you can put 15 or 16 per acre, right? And if you really want a bigger development, they still have the right to go to plan. So that's the intent: is to give the developer something, and but it still allow them that option to go to planning later on. If they need to do that. They need more, the bigger development. And they can do that. So, uh, as far as drawing a circle, you, you want to come up with a concept with an overlay district or something like that. We can do that, but it really—I um, don't know. I, I, my thought is that a, a, this is a first step, which is in line with inclusionary zoning bylaw. If you get this passed, you get it through. You want to have a during the master plan process. You want to talk about. Um, I have a zoning workshop on a, in the in the town center again and talk about these districts. I, I think that would be a great idea. But I think um, one thing that we have this town has a tendency to do is look at a, a concept and say, "Oh, that's a great idea." And then the next time you have the workshop, you'd have the next meeting. You say, "Well, I want to do it this way instead." And before you know it, you don't you just put it on hold and nothing really gets changed. The C1 and GR5 concept has gone before. Uh, Economic Development Committee and other groups probably five times in 15 years. And the density is still the way it was back then, which is fine if that's what the town wants. But we keep hearing that it's, it's not what the town wants in certain areas. It's too dense. So. Right, so that's, I guess, my question about Greg's comment is that, from what I understand, is that instead of 43 units per acre, it would be 15. Right, so um, 43 by special permit, by special permit, or 15, 15 by, by, by right. and the option for additional by special permit, right? And then, um, and it also the lot has to be greater 25% greater than a, than a single family, than a single family, right. so the lot has to be bigger. Um, there's a potential for a lot less density. Right, that's correct. That is, so that's that is. that's what I think people want to see. <laughs> Sorry. That's what you want. That's what you want. <laughs> um, Bruce, I think, you want to say something? Yeah. To, um, to, to Greg's question. So if you if you take the train station right here and you do a half mile, you could. But I put up the zoning map to make sure folks understand what we're talking about tonight is this purple. This lime green strip, this green strip down here, which is C1, which in the future you could 
call this section C1 something else, like Franklin Crossing Village District or something. Say it may be rules, but at least you could take it out if you didn't want to see the same type of development over there. But at least along the 140 quarter, and then you're talking about this dark orange. So if you encompass a half mile circumference around, you're gonna actually change a lot more zoning for personal property. Um, I don't know how that would fare, right? Greg, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. I don't know, engaging more property owners in that circle, I don't know if that's gonna make it easier or harder. I'm not saying it's the wrong way, but if we're able to get through the inclusionary zoning process, um, you know, the goal then would be, I think, is to bring in uh, you know, Mark Dabrowski to do a 40R seminar and to see if there are other options that are there. But I think, Greg, you know that if you did do that half mile, you're gonna change a lot of people in other districts as well. And then the risk is, is does the governor change the rules? And it's like, oh, now we got a mile. Oh, it's points three quarters of a mile. Oh, we don't want it anymore. We, and then you're, you're doing a lot of work on zoning where you're just right now affecting the only zoning areas really, truly, are this one in the middle, the darker orange, and this light strip of green right here, and maybe some of this down here as well. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Jamie. Just to Jamie's point, I, I do understand it quite a bit, but it was just a thought of just opening up that much more properties to get built on. You know, the, the, the amount getting built and what's been out there is, is more than everybody wants to see. Mm -hmm. So I just don't want to promote any more growth in areas that I can't sustain it. And, and, and Greg's 100% right. There's a reason why the governor did a half mile because that's what the data shows people are willing to walk to get to the train. So from a smart growth perspective, it makes a lot of sense. The problem is implementing this on this one size fits all methodology has obviously resulted in a tremendous amount of, of, of anti-sediment against this rule to the Commonwealth where the governor just a couple weeks ago changed the rule from no affordable housing cap. He had no affordable housing at all in the 15 units. Mm -hmm. Now you can do a maximum of 10% because of such blowback from many municipalities. So I think we agree on all of this. Um, you know, it's just a question of whether or not the appetite from the EDC or other boards is there to say, well, we're just going to draw a circle right around a half mile. We could certainly do that. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, um, Bruce? I'm not leaving me a lot of time. I'm going to get my timer. That's the measurement, the half mile from the train station. Is that as a crow flies or as a car drives? Or how do you walk? Are you running with a, with a measurement stick? Or how, how does that work? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, the half mile is, um, I don't actually know what the, what the specific wording is, okay. well, but, I, a, but I believe... Story, but nobody asks a question that they don't know the answer to, I was told it was a half a mile by crow. Somebody was, uh, by, as a crow, crow flies, it's likely what it is, yeah. but uh, I mean, because it, it can't really be walking, for instance, or driving, because, you know, how do you know you can get down that road? The minimum recommendation, is this a minimum or a maximum 2,750 feet, square feet of a acre? 2,750 units by acre. One unit per 2,750 would give you just over, would give you just under 16. Okay, and so right now with a uh, special permit from the planning board, you get one per 1,000 uh, square feet. Right. Okay. Right. I'm sure that everybody's willing to give up something so that they didn't have to go to the planning board and go through the, uh, you know, the 
permit process that way, or a special permit process. Um, my recommendation would be to cut this down to 2,000 square feet because I don't think you can do one without the other, without the inclusionary, because people are going to want inclusionary, you want to put that in, so this is going to do it. If you do it the way you're talking with 2,700 square feet, 2,750 square feet, you're only going to get 14, 15 units per that. I use 40,000 square feet as the builder's aid. So if you do that, and you're going to include inclusion, that means you're going to be building two units for 15, uh, two affordable units for 15. Whereas if you give them the, if you make it 2,000 square feet, they'll have 20 units to eat up that, to make up the difference for the two affordable, or the 10% affordable. Uh, granted, everybody's got to agree that there's not a lot of room in, in general residential five, even after combined parcels to get anything out there. Commercial one may be the only one you got to, but you got to remember that a lot of commercial one in this on the picture up there is probably in some sort of a water resource district too, so they're limited with that. Um, and the other thing is, we count, is there any way that we can count units, in, uh, bedrooms instead of units? You know what I mean? Because you might have somebody that comes in with all one bedroom units and certainly might come in with trees or something like that. So I don't know if we can do that or not, but that might be something to look into too. Because I'm sure that it would be more palatable if it was all one bedroom units instead of threes. All or a mix of one and twos instead of threes. So, you know, I don't know if we can put that in the zoning or not. I mean, the market said, but at another time. Well, yeah, well, there's definitely zoning code that can be written uh, more specific than we deal with, but um, on in general, what, the way we've been doing things forever is, you know, how many, um, how many units per square feet of lot area or how many per acre, things like that. Yeah, that's why so, we're still doing it. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it's the way it's done, yeah. yeah. I know. Right this time, but, you might not have to do it, but I'm sure that anybody yeah. would be amenable yeah. if they had a buy-right situation where they could just come in with a plan and show it. Don't forget, as Kobe said, most of the stuff that involves parking. We're still at one and a half spaces per unit. You know, unit doesn't say anything about bedrooms, it just says units. So, you know, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the unit the bedroom thing. But I think they both go together. I don't think you can do one without the other. Because if you want somebody to, you know, have something by right, they're willing to put, obviously they're going to be willing to put in the affordables, but they have to make it palatable to them. So if you went from 2750 down to 2000 that would open up a couple more units to cover the cost of that. Right. And I don't think it's going to blow up the project that much more by adding a couple more units. Now, is it one? Unit for four units, if you're doing, I, I read something again. If you build a fourth unit, it's got to be affordable. So that's 25%. Is it 25% or is it 10%? Not, not, it's 10%. 10%. Okay, but didn't I read something in the end? I believe. Yeah, 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 if you, one. yeah, if you build four units, you got to build one, you got to make one affordable. Or with that I don't know what the wording is on that. Originally, uh, we were going with a 25% um, affordable bylaw. We were 10% of one type and 15 in another. We pulled that out of the inclusionary zoning bylaw uh, to simplify everything because of the MBTA requirement and the recent change that they had on 10% only in this within a half mile. Okay. So I, I, saw, I know I read that. Somewhere. I think I think it needs to. We need to go through it and make sure this that's not in there. I think I read it the first time I read through it. But maybe since the there's a second version that came out today, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it was removed. There, I know we did a lot. Of, you guys did a lot of editing. Yeah, we did. We actually made some recent changes and. Yeah. Uh, 
it was pointed out to me that I need to take at least make at least one other change. Um, so when we get to that, which we probably should if you're going to do this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're running out of time. Oh, we're running out of time, uh, right. Of course we are. But I'm gonna, um, Councilor Frangelos uh, has, has had his hand up for a while, so I'm gonna go to Kobe and then, um, yeah. Kobe? Can you hear me better? Yes. yes. Switch to my phone. Does it make any difference? Yes. 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 Can you hear us? All right, we'll take it. Yes. Uh, I, I just want to bring this back to the larger picture, and I'll try, I'll try to ground it, right? We're looking at the type of development that we do want to welcome, to support our businesses, to allow for different housing types, to create a walkable uh, downtown. That's places like uh, Depot Plaza, uh, the old food pantry, the place that the food pantry is looking at, um, the ZNAV property. Uh, we want to allow those to uh, be developed in a way that uh, supports our downtown. And, uh, my question to Brian uh, is, does this bring us any closer to that? Because my sense is no. The, the hindrance there is not multifamily by right, it's every other regulation um, that's not in line with the historical uh, buildings that we love in town. Um, well, I, 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 as I said earlier, there's a lot of different issues related to, to this, and if you want to change them all at the same time, it's gonna, you're going to have to let's rewrite all the zoning bylaws. There's a lot of different issues. Um, if you if you wanted a special, if you don't have to get a special permit to go with a certain amount of multifamily homes, multifamily units, but you have a small lot, you might need to go to a special permit to get an extra floor in your building. So there's a lot of different things, right? So uh, you're going to likely want to get a waiver on some of the parking required. It's all, you know it, it touches on all kinds of issues, um, and. You want a developer to come in and not just think about money, but to think about the surrounding area and how it fits in. And you know, could I put a restaurant on the first floor or whatever? And really think about uh, how that fits into the neighborhood. And uh, so there's a million issues to discuss going to be, but uh, this is to, to address the housing density, to allow a certain amount by right and arrest by special permit. If, you, if the town would like to go with a, um, a different density that they allow you know, 30 units or 40 units by right, I, I think you're gonna end up with a lot of people fighting back about on that. I think, uh, and that's, so this is kind of middle ground, if you will. It's not, um, we have to allow some by right, but at the same time, we giving the opportunity for a developer to go for a special permit for others, for additional units. My, my concern is, is not that we need to add more density than what you're saying, but that the regulations as stand don't allow for the density that we're saying we want. That uh, this isn't going, because our lot sizes are so small uh, downtown, that this isn't actually going to achieve uh, the 15 units, the, the amount of uh, 
housing, the type of housing unit that we need. But this will make it no different than we were yesterday uh, in terms of um, allowing uh, the types of development that we want to encourage uh, downtown. Right, so it's not, I'm not, not calling for more, I'm just saying that this doesn't, this doesn't do what we're saying that it does when it's, you know, uh, just in isolation. Gonna, um, Jamie has a stand up. He wants to comment. So, uh, Councilor Frangillo, I'm, I'm not going to uh, articulate right or wrong. I don't think there is a right or wrong on these. If this bylaw had been put into place for the DNF 117 DNF project, you'd have a substantial more of affordable units based on the inclusionary zoning ratio. Um, so, I think to say that it wouldn't have an impact, I'm not sure, is, is, is entirely accurate. The second thing I would say is. You are correct. A lot of the parcels in those zones are a lot of the parcels in those zones are small, and even setbacks and parking requirements. We're talking about a de minimis amount of space. That even changing those, like for example, getting rid of parking requirements or reducing them by half, also are not going to make a substantial change in 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 the dynamics of the housing. I think the three family will. I think we're trying to redefine the four, what is the multifamily, four units and more. We're trying to comply with MBTA communities. Some of these issues are, are a little bit out of our control until, until the state decides to do things differently. Um, the only argument I would say is, um, I think it is important to consider as we close out this meeting to ensure that we don't allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good and that the town of Franklin has to do something at some point to address some of these issues. And maybe there is scenarios where multiple lots are bought up and then you're seeing a teardown or there was a fire on a couple of units in downtown who I know those owners would like to see more than what they had there before. And if you do get those lots, those smaller lots torn down and you're able to combine two or three or, or four or more parcels, I think this bylaw has a substantial impact. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Jamie. Um, well, I think we you mentioned what I was thinking is that we are running out of time and we haven't got to the um, inclusionary zoning bylaw yet. So um, I think we should just put it on the next agenda. November thirtieth. November thirtieth. Right. Awesome. Yeah. November thirtieth. We will continue this discussion. I want to thank everyone for all of their. Um, Kobe still has his hand up, but he took it down and I was laughing. I want to thank all of you for being here and all of your insight. It's very important to me to have everyone um, say what they think and, um, and then we get to think about it a little bit more and then come up with the best plan for Franklin. So on that, I would accept a motion to adjourn. I know. Second. second. I'm looking for a second. Kobe? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Councilor yes. Sheridan? Yes. Councilor Jones? Yes. Beth Berlin? Yes. Greg Rondo? Yes. Blue Sunshard? Yes. Chair? Yes. Second. All in favor? Uh, let's go. Okay. Good night, everybody. Oh, yeah. We already did it. We already did it. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. 
and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.